Welcome to the Breathe Mama podcast. I'm Christine and I'm your host. I'm a woman, a wife, a mama. I'm also an entrepreneur, an Enneagram 8, and a soul care coach. Our breath is foundational to every part of our well-being. This podcast will offer insights, stories, and truth-telling that I hope feels just like a big belly breath of air for your soul. We will embark on the worthy pursuit of purpose and presence in the little pauses. I hope to encourage and guide you to connect with and nurture the deepest parts of who you are so that we can show up as our truest, most healthy selves. And I believe we can do that best as a collective, together. Well, hello. Here we are at episode three. Today is Wednesday, October 28th, and it is my husband's birthday. So I thought it'd be fun to find a way to talk about him and about us as a part of the celebration today. So a little about our story to start. I met Paul my very first day on campus at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, and I started dating him two weeks later. We've been married for nine years and we've been together for 15. I love my husband. He is my best friend, my better half, and the heart of our five family. And even so, preparing for this episode was difficult. Marriage is messy, and as the most intimate of relationships, it's also where I feel the most vulnerable. As an Enneagram 8, vulnerability has been equated in my mind as weakness and often felt like the enemy. For many years, it was the exact thing I did not want to feel or to be. So even now, as a more self-aware and healthier version of myself who has experienced the richness and sweetness of close, deep friendships, the most important of which is that with my husband, I can still struggle to simplify with words what makes a strong relationship. I also want to be sensitive, as I recognize that not all mamas are married or in committed relationships, either by choice or not. But the areas I will dive in a little deeper to today have been extremely helpful for me, and I think they can also be translated to any kind of close relationship or supportive community, including that of dear friends that are like family. So wherever this podcast episode finds you today, I hope that it can be encouraging to you in your pursuit of meaningful partnership, no matter what form that takes. I have four areas I will highlight that have been small and big ways that I've found helpful to us as we make a consistent effort to prioritize one another and our relationship. The first is seek to connect. Especially if you have little ones at home, you know, connection just does not happen on its own. It's easy to fall into doing life in the same house, but actually emotionally feel like ships in the night. Um, my girls and I have been participating in music together with a dear friend of mine. And at the beginning of each class, there's a part that she sings, the teacher, we all sing together. And it's, it goes like this, seek to connect much more than you correct. And that really hits home every time as I think about my parenting, but even in marriage, it is so easy to focus on the things that they're doing wrong or not the way that you would like them to. And so these are just a few ideas that can foster that connection. The first is shared experiences. This is pretty obvious, pretty simple, 
but doing something that you both enjoy alongside one another, even if you don't exchange words, can be really powerful. So for us, it sometimes looks like watching a TV show or a movie. Um, Sometimes we've also read books together or listened to books together, take an online class, or maybe even just take a walk. The second is to pursue one another. So there's a book called Date Your Wife that my husband has read in the past. Um, And I love this, this idea of staying curious about one another, pursuing one another so that it's more playful and more fun. Um, So obviously right now we might have limited opportunities for dates outside of the home, but whether you go out or stay in, um, this mindset of dating your spouse can make those points of connection even if they're brief and in the comfort of our own home, much more fun. And then the third part of Seek to Connect is candid conversation. So communicating our needs and our wants. As much as it would be so, so nice for them to know what we want or need, they don't. And they can't without us honestly and clearly communicating it to them. It's not convenient, I know, but it must be our responsibility to initiate communicating what it is that we need or want because it changes. I wanted to touch on triggers here as well. If we are triggered by our partner, it is often a sign of an unmet need, the need to be seen, heard, supported, acknowledged, respected, and many other things. Maybe we feel alone. Maybe they breached our trust. Maybe we take their actions or inaction personally. Or maybe our parenting styles are different. There are many, many forms of triggers, but just recognizing that it's often that we feel like a need has not been met, that can really drive us to have those candid conversations with our partner. Okay, the first was seek to connect, and the second is surrender to the transformation. Doing life with another human is inherently refining, as all of the things that we can reliably hide from others we don't live with are exposed and on display in marriage and any partnership. So it's inevitable that we will grow and change over time, and having children together can certainly expedite this process. So this is another opportunity to embrace the both and. You can both reflect on the love that you shared before you had kids, remind yourself why you chose to spend the rest of your life with one another and what made you love them in the first place, and acknowledge the changes that have taken place over time. Reframe the relationship, mark your gratitudes along the way, and hold both intention, mourning what's changed, what's different now, and also celebrating the progress and growth that you've both experienced apart and together. The third is share the mental load. Now, before I start sharing a bit about this, I do want to preface by saying that this topic could and just might be a whole episode on its own. It is such an important topic that is close to my heart, and I'm going to just scratch the surface today. From the female, wife, and mama perspective, since that's my own, I can say that this is a very real and thorny topic. But I also believe that it's one of the most important aspects of healthy partnership, that ability to identify and discuss with your partner the things that are mentally weighing us down. 
My husband has long been willing and better at housework than I. We aim to play to our strengths in our family, and so that means he does most of the laundry, dishes, and other chores. And for that, I am so grateful. But that's not what I'm talking about here. The mental load is objectively the opposite of these tangible tasks. One study, titled The Cognitive Dimension of Household Labor, published in the American Sociological Review, describes it as the responsibility of anticipating needs, identifying options for filling them, making decisions, and monitoring progress. I will be honest, friends. Today, on my husband's birthday, I said to him, I just want you to decide. I'm so tired of making decisions. The invisible emotional labor we engage in can be especially exhausting. It's ongoing. It's pervasive into every facet of our daily life, especially in a marriage and a family with children as things get more complex. This inevitably affects the quality of a marriage and certainly of the woman or a mother's well-being. Now, there's so much more I could say about this as this is at the core of why I want to create content that addresses soul care. The weight of the mental load we as mamas, as women hold, can grow too heavy long before we even know what it is. Identifying this as a source of our soul exhaustion is a strong first step to sharing it and experiencing the load we carry as lighter. And then the fourth, steep in grace. I have a few confessions to make. I make so many mistakes. I say things I wish I hadn't. I say things in ways that are careless and hurtful. I neglect to do things that would be helpful or loving. I am selfish. I get frustrated when things don't go my way. I allow my emotions to dictate my actions all too often. And I sometimes don't ask for forgiveness when I need to. So grace is exactly what I need from my husband and exactly what he needs from me. It is a lived out commitment to love one another exactly where we are. It does not ignore the ways that we're hurt or disappointed, but grace does seek to look beyond the things that Paul does to frustrate me or that I do to frustrate him so that we can see each other at, at a core level. What is true about us outside of this particular moment? It's about remembering who our partner is on the inside, not only how I'm irritated or inconvenienced in the moment. Grace believes the best about the other and wades through the messiness of a particular moment with compassion. Without knowing that I will be fully loved and accepted, I don't want to show up authentically. I don't want to bring all of me, and I'll constantly be working to earn love instead of coming from a place of already being loved. Many of us would say without a doubt that this is the way that we love our children, unconditionally. There is nothing that they could do that would make us love them more or less, right? So then why do we hold ourselves and our partners to a different standard? To model safe, healthy relationships with integrity to our children starts with the way that we love and extend grace, not only to our partner, but also also to ourselves. Paul and I established a rhythm very early on in our marriage that has been a practical tool to help decrease the amount and intensity of relational friction in our week. We call it our family meeting. I'll not be able to do this every week, but I am excited to share with you that I've created another resource for you that I hope you will find helpful if you decide to give it a try in your home. 
I'm calling it my family meeting cheat sheet, and it's a two-page document that has sections for each of the four main parts of the actual family meeting that we do most Sunday evenings. This ritual ends the week well and prepares us for a new week together. This can absolutely work with roommates, for a couple without kids, married couples with any age kids, and even living in community with another family like we just had the great privilege to do with our dear friends for the last 10 weeks. The first agenda item is always gratitude. Then you can do the other three in any order. The week's schedule, the week's to-dos with assignments for who's responsible for each task, and a budget check-in. Our fifth and final touch point is not on the cheat sheet I created for you, but we also choose to end our time in prayer for one another and for the week ahead. So to recap, the four topics we cover are gratitude, the week's schedule, the week's to-dos, and a budget check-in with the option for prayer at the end. You can absolutely do this without the cheat sheet, but if you'd like a place to start that allows you to write directly on it, this is a simple and actionable gift from me to you. So friends, I have an invitation for you to join me in making small daily choices that practically prioritize and thus strengthen the foundation of our families. And that starts and ends with the relationship we have with our spouse. Seek to connect and to communicate. Surrender to the transformation taking place within and between all of us. Share the mental load and steep in grace. We cannot and ought not try to do this parenting adventure without true support from someone who sees, hears, and knows us deeply. When we are soul tired, past exhausted, and stretched beyond what we can sustain for very long on our own, it is the partnerships we've established and nurtured that will give us the space and time to breathe more deeply. I encourage you to decide on a single action step you can take today or in the next few days that will help you take a step toward prioritizing partnership with or without kids. And I would love to hear from you. What ways do you nourish the most important relationships in your life? You can reach me via email at breathemamacollective at gmail.com or on Instagram or Facebook at breathemamacollective. Bye-bye for now and be well, fam. If you love this podcast, please subscribe. You'll get real-time updates when new episodes drop, and I would love to have you along for this ride. Feeling inspired? Share the love. Leave a review, send your friend a link to this episode, and please send me a message. Want to hang out with me more? I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, breathe, mama.